Welcome listeners and followers of Ufahamu Africa and the conversation. My name is Amita Maklo, an anthropologist artist at Cornell University working with the Ufahamu Africa team. Today I bring you news from The Conversation Africa, a subsidiary of The Conversation, a platform dedicated to offering informed commentary and debate on issues affecting our world. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's talk politics. Today's read is written by David B. Moore and he titles it Zimbabwe Elections 2023, a textbook case of how the ruling party has clung to power for 43 years. Few were surprised as near midnight on 26 August, the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission announced incumbent President Emerson Munangagwa's re-election in yet another of Zimbabwe's tendentious contest. His inauguration on 4th September sanctified his return to power. Fewer still were shocked when South Africa's president, Cyril Ramaphosa, attended Munangagwa's inauguration, regardless of the Southern African Development Community, SADC Election Observation Team's critical report and the absence of most of his peers from the SADC and the African Union. Munangagwa gained 52.6% of the 4,561,221 votes cast. Nelson Chamisa, head of the main opposition Citizens Coalition for Change, CCC, garnered 1,967,343, or 44%. ZANU-PF's 136 of Parliament's 210 seats is just under the two-thirds needed to change the constitution. I've observed and written about Zimbabwe's election since 2000, when ZANU-PF first faced strong opposition from the Movement for Democratic Change, MDC, under Morgan Tivangirai. My book, Mugabe's Legacy, Coups, Conspiracies and the Conceits of Power in Zimbabwe, covers nearly 50 years of ZANU-PF's propensity to gain power by any means, even genocide. This election displayed many of these patterns. However, each election has registered variations as Zimbabwe hovers between open democracy and fully shut authoritarianism. ZANU-PF's score with contemporary variants ranges from pre- and post-election intimidation to electoral management and playing off its regional neighbors. The CCC and civil society choirs also shift their tone in response, from outright rejection and court challenges to pleas for returns and transitional governments. Some of these patterns include 1. Long-term, immediate and post-election intimidation. The post-2017 coup period foreshadowed many of ZANU-PF's contemporary strategies. First was the soldiers killing at least six demonstrators and bystanders just after the mid-2018 elections. In January 2019, a stay away kicked in just after Munangagwa announced a 150% increase in fuel prices. Planned chaos ensued as riots, looting and protests were encouraged by a multitude of unidentified forces. More than 17 people were killed, as many women were raped, nearly 1,800 other bodily violations ensued amidst mass trials and convictions. Since then, ZANU-PF has reminded many people not to engage in opposition. 
By mid-2020, the targets moved towards women in the MDC. The case of CCC activist Mob Blessing Ali's murder in May 2022 indicates a new variant on silent murder. Ali's brother, Washington, a longtime MDC CCC activist in the UK, gained the help of CCC MP and lawyer Job Sikala to publicize his sister's murder. Sikala has been imprisoned since his campaign on behalf of Ali. I examine this horrific assassination in the next issue of the journal Transformation. It illustrates how the move towards land baron-led gangsterism in Harare connects with ZANU-PF hierarchies of power. The August 2023 pre-election murder by stoning of CCC activist Tinashe Chitunge indicates this sort of politics running wild. After the election, demonstrators and soldiers did not encounter each other en masse, no shootings. However, residents visiting pubs in high-density suburbs encountered rough treatment from unidentified people with guns and brand-new uniforms. Later, Glenn Nora, Councillor Wombrache Nehende, and fellow activist Sonele Mukuhlani. Sunele Mukuhlani were left naked after the abduction, whipping and injection with poison on 3rd September. Their lawyers, Douglas Coltart and Tapiwa Muchineripi, were arrested when visiting them in hospital. The well-funded Forever Associates of Zimbabwe, FAZ, earned its keep by intimidating folks during the pre-election phase. FAZ is a ZANU-PF mix of semi-intellectuals and aspirant entrepreneurs. They are Munangagwa enthusiasts needing connections to the ZANU-PF state. They run illegal exit polls at the stations. FAZ's members, purportedly paid by the Central Intelligence Organization, keep their promise to dominate and saturate the environment while denying the same to opponents, including those within ZANU-PF during its primary nomination contests. 2. Judicial and Electoral Management the clouds over liberal horizons darken further in the legal spheres of repression. The Patriotic Act, passed ahead of the election, makes too much opposition talk with foreigners treasonous. The still unsigned amendment to the Private Voluntary Organization Bill promises to end all hints of civil society support for opposition parties. The gerrymandered delimination exercise remapped most urban constituencies so they stretched to peri-urban and nearly rural areas. ZANU-PF hoped the majority would thus support it, as in the countryside. This tactic linked well to election day's improprieties. Up to 75 urban polling stations experienced unexpected and unprecedented shortages of ballot paper. This caused long and uncertain waits. Some stations extended voting to the next day. In Glenview, a Harare suburb, hundreds of poor voters walked kilometers to vote by 7 a.m. They waited, peacefully, fortunately, eight hours for the ballot papers. At other stations, nighttime voting added to voters' role problems due to the hasty delimination exercise that left many in the wrong constituency. They were advised to find the correct one. When voting continued to 24th August, how many returned? 3. The V11 Forms Widespread concerns about the V11 forms came on top of worries about thousands of people giving up on the lost ballot papers. These sheets are posted on the outside walls of the 12,000 polling stations. They show all the votes. 
They are meant to enable anyone to keep score at the first polling stage. Then the official counting moves on to ward, constituency and provincial counting centres and finally to the National Command Centre where the presidential vote is tallied and announced. Suspicion runs rampant about what happens at the links in this chain. Election NGOs and other organizations were collecting and tabulating images of the V11 forms for digital release. Too late, ZANU-PF conducted on-the-night raids as they were at work. As the Institute for Security Studies' Southern Africa program head Pierce Pigou noted in conversation with me, if the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission was worried about the election's legitimacy, the V11 forms would have been on its website immediately. But they are not there or anywhere. 4. Regional Responses, CCC Plans and Democracy's Future as noted, the election observers' report do not paint a pretty picture of the election. Citizens Coalition for Change hope to exploit the split between the SADC observers and their SADC masters. But the SADC's Council of Elders seem unable to help the CCC's plan to arrange a rerun guided by an international committee. South Africa's enthusiasm for its neighbor gives little solace to Northern Democrats. Given Zimbabwe's courts' past biases on the legality of elections, the CCC did not bother taking the judicial route. Munangagwa's inauguration has put all those plans to rest. No reruns, no new version of government of national unity modelled after the disputed Violence Ma 2008 contest or transnational councils. At most, the election observers' report portend further critique. The Zimbabwean democratic forces have to think again and hard about ways to a better future. In sum, if Zimbabwe's 2023 election foreshadows future battles between authoritarianism and liberal democracy, the former has gained the upper hand. ZANU-PF's iron fist still remains, with a velvet coating, albeit fraying. As a woman overheard discussing this election observed, the only hope may be ZANU-PF destroying itself as it almost did in 2017. Thank you for tuning in. You can always read this and many other informed articles on the Conversation Africa's page. Do not forget to follow Ufahamu Africa and the conversation on social media and do not forget to share with a friend. My name is Amita Maklo and I hope you have a fantastic day.